Coming up on Stu Does America, while the mainstream media was asleep at the wheel, reporters like Blaze TV's own Elijah Schaefer were on the ground in Kenosha in the middle of the madness. Elijah is back, and he will tell us about it tonight. And Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck, joins us to give us his take on the escalating violence spreading across the nation. He carries a gun at all times, so I'm definitely hanging out with him when Antifa hits Dallas. You can watch the show for free on YouTube. Just search my name, Stu, on YouTube, and I'll be the first one there. Uh, Click like and write a little comment below. We appreciate that. It helps us defeat the evil YouTube algorithm robots. And you can get your election gear right now, including the Joe Biden Senility Now t-shirt and Kamala Namala t-shirt at studosmerch.com. Wear them to tell people that you're not, you know, a communist. It's time to make basketball players seem dumber than they already look. Let's do the death of the NBA. Stu does America. You know, it's my job as your moderately overweight host bot to analyze information and present it to you in a way that is compelling. And above all else, to never change my mind under any circumstances, no matter what the information tells me, especially when I'm on Twitter. That's my promise to you as a news commentator. For example, a mid-March YouGov poll found that 87% of people believe that coronavirus would kill less than 10,000 people. 87%. Twitter, however, is made up exclusively, apparently, of people in the other 13%. Everyone on Twitter knew exactly what was going to happen with COVID from the day it started. They all had the correct cure and response mapped out. And if we had just listened to all of them, none of this would have happened. That's particularly amazing for two reasons. One, they all disagree with each other, so I'm not sure how they're all right. And two, all of their old tweets are still online and show that they were blatantly wrong. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but it's a law of science, so you can't disagree with it. Knowing this, I felt strange yesterday having to very publicly flip-flop after several times shaming the NBA and all of its stupid players for walking off yesterday and refusing to play their scheduled playoff games. After this happened, the players voted and everyone wanted to continue the season except the Lakers and the Clippers. There are only two things I really care about in the NBA. Number one, obviously, is LeBron James losing. And number two is the Dallas Mavericks advancing. Well, if the Lakers are out, so is LeBron. And if the Clippers are out, the Mavs advance. Win, win. This caused me to reverse myself on Twitter, and for a brief moment, I suddenly supported this whole walkout thing entirely. I was basically the president of Black Lives Matter for about 20 minutes. No big deal. Unfortunately, LeBron changed his mind today, and the L.A. teams are now seemingly able to muster up the effort and focus required to put a ball in a hoop inside a bubble located at Disney World. They will seek out a new way to present messages of social justice, though, so, you know, feel free to never tune in again. Last night, you had the entire NBA universe in full virtue signaling mode, even on the NBA broadcast. Kenny Smith, mm-hmm. here he is, best known, of course, for almost, but not quite, winning the dunk contest in 1990, took a brave stand by taking a day off mid-broadcast. And for me, I think the biggest thing now is to kind of as a black man, as a former player, mm-hmm. I think it's for best for me to support the players <gasps> and just not be here tonight. Oh my goodness. How powerful. And figure out what happens after that. Your mic's off. Yeah. Oh, you're to off. That's right. And I respect that. I respect that, do you? 
Okay, here we go. I'm gonna walk off stage. Powerful. Look at the, the powerful exit from Kenny Smith. Wow, how brave. Uh, I love how Shaq and Barkley are just still sitting there. Um, I guess they don't care about black lives? I don't know. Because they don't need the virtue signaling so that people know who they are. They're in the Hall of Fame. They don't need to hope people watch highlights of the 1990 Doug contest on YouTube to find them relevant. Besides, that emotion just hit Kenny. I want you to know that. Right in that moment. It had nothing to do with you know, begging for attention with a fake dramatic moment on live television. Of course not. I mean, he, he couldn't have told them before they got on the air or in a commercial break. No, no. It had to happen right then because authenticity, guys. Come on. Is anyone falling for this nonsense? Every day, the population of a small European country gets gunned down in Detroit or Chicago or Los Angeles. And these guys still get on television and handle their balls. And we're supposed to believe that I don't know, this one guy who fought with cops, ignored their warnings, and tried to get into his car where he admitted he had a knife. That's your line, right? That's what we're supposed to believe. Or as we learned from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Jacob Blake had a knife, but was otherwise unarmed. Just like Freddy Krueger has razor fingernails, but was otherwise not slicing you to death in your dreams. Watching this spectacle, breakdown yesterday, I was filled with a thought I have never had before. For the first time, I thought, they're really gonna try and blow up this entire league, aren't they? We know the ratings are in the tank. They're down 45% since 2012. And they're even lower than the pre-coronavirus era, which were basically meaningless regular season games. Everyone was clamoring for sports to come back, but when they have, the ratings suck. What could be the cause? Apparently, Slate does not know. They asked, why are the NBA ratings going down? Is it the bubble? Fallout from the China controversy? Something else? (laughs) Gee, I don't know. Something else. What could that something be? Could it be that the amount of time during the game actually spent talking about the game is basically nil? Could it be that people want to tune in to a sporting event and not a lecture from Ibram Kendi? Could it be that you have taken what America now recognizes as a left-wing political slogan, Black Lives Matter, and plastered it all over the court and the uniforms? Literally everyone agrees that Black Lives Matter. Everybody. But when someone says, well, yes, of course, Black Lives Matter, I mean, all lives matter, then you call them a racist. That reveals your true intentions. And it's why Black Lives Matter as a uniting principle is over. It's a thing of the past. The New York Times, right after George Floyd famously uh, produced this chart, this is a a chart, you'll see it if you're uh, watching on on, on Blaze TV, which you can always do at blazetv.com slash stew. It shows skyrocketing popularity of BLM after the incident. And, you know, it's basically a hockey stick chart. I mean, it goes straight up. A group that was around plus 10, Black Lives Matter, plus 10 in favorability, shot up to plus 28 within just a few days. We don't have an update on this chart because there hasn't been much public polling, uh, really. And that is completely the only reason. I totally swear. But we have an update in Wisconsin, thanks to Marquette Law and their Marquette Law school poll. Uh, In June, right after the Floyd incident and the protests, Black Lives Matter was at plus 25 in favorability in Wisconsin. Has that changed? Slightly. The new poll shows BLM is at zero. 
no net favorability. 48% favorable, 48% unfavorable. It's just another one of those standard partisan issues because you know what? In truth, that's what it is. It's not about black lies. By the way, the police are a plus 63 in the same poll. So if you're the NBA and you continue to preach one side of a partisan political issue, your business will suffer along uh, along with the play and, and the entertainment value for, you know, I don't know, the people, the half of the country that you're calling evil all the time. Be sure that the NBA put abortion is murder in the middle of the court. <laughs> I love this visual. Abortion is murder in the middle of the court. You know, you're going to scare off some liberals. And, you know, it might be that I think that's the right thing, but that is not what the NBA should be doing. Now, personally, I will say I don't really care about all this crap. I think about it differently. I refuse to let these morons make decisions for me. I'm not going to let them, with their stupid, nonsensical left-wing partisanship, take away something that I enjoy. I will watch it until I don't enjoy it, period. But it's impossible to deny that they are making it much less enjoyable. I mean, I barely watch the NBA already. I can live without it. Baseball would be a little tougher for me, and NFL football would be close to death. Like, they'd have to specifically threaten my family multiple times to get me to leave. And even then, I'd wonder if maybe the league had a point. But they're going to chase away a good chunk of the audience. And these leagues can't survive in that world. It's a totally different cost structure. Salaries are lower. Revenues are lower. And if you actually care about this, you NBA dunces, your ability to communicate your ridiculous left-wing nonsense is lower, too. You can walk away if you want. But you do it at your own risk. No one cares what LeBron James, the accountant, has to say. And LeBron, you know, I guess is probably a, a bad idea, example because, you know, he's already a big celebrity anyway. And he's also incapable of math. But you get the point. The only reason anyone cares about what you're saying is because of your job. Besides, what do you think you're actually accomplishing here? NBA players seem to believe that they're showing up to play basketball has something to do with this issue. They act as if... They either go home and get unemployment or innocent people have to continue to die. That's not how it works. There's a volcano in Ecuador right now that might be near a mass eruption. It will either erupt or it will not. It has nothing to do with whether LeBron James shows up at work to brick yet another wide open three pointer in the clutch. Not related. Every sport is annoying with this stuff. The NFL and the MLB they have their problems, but the NBA is different. The NBA, as we have known it for a very long time, is just dead. It's no longer a sports league. It is a left-wing political organization. It's like another Sierra Club. It's harassing us with, with its implied guilt in effort to gain more money and more power. The American people love their sports and have a high tolerance for this crap. But there's a line. There's only so much nonsense people can take, and you're testing the outer limits. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge. Need the house painted? Well, here's who you talk to. Need to replace the stairs? We've got a guy. Roof repair? No sweat. 
Real Estate Agents I Trust has got you covered. Real Estate Agents I Trust is Glenn Beck's company, so you can rest assured you're going to be in the hands of the most capable people in the industry uh, who will see your transaction through to the very end. These are people that have been screened thoroughly. The name says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. You can get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're moving across the country, this is a great place to go because you're not going to know a real estate agent in the new area. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com now. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Look, I genuinely like my next guest. I don't want him to get hurt or worse in one of these idiotic riots spreading around the country. On the other hand, of course, I have nothing but respect for the work he's doing and telling the real story behind the violence and destruction uh, that the media won't. And, I mean, his, his material's amazing, so I'm going to exploit it for ratings all I can. Uh, Elijah Schaefer is here with us. I like being exploited, yeah. especially by you. Oh, thank you so it much. feels good. I do appreciate that. And you brought, that. you brought beer. Um, yep. Can you cheers during COVID? I don't know. Uh, I think we can. I, I don't know. So Spread the love, but not COVID. This is amazing. A celebratory, you didn't get shot beer. Well, I wanted to have, I was like, if I'm going to come on the show, we're going to have a beer together. Because mm-hmm. I already predicted, I'm like, I woke up at 2 o'clock p.m. Central Time today. I slept for 13 hours. I mean, because uh, this is amazing. You're, you're legitimately up all night doing this. For stuff. like, yeah, for about five days. I mean, it, it's to the point where it's like maybe, maybe maximum three hours of sleep. And this is the, this is, you want to hear this? I was so tired. I was getting on the plane to come back. And th- thanks to COVID, I get all these free upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I always joke about my salary. I, I can't afford first class. And the Blaze definitely doesn't fly as first class. But they bumped <laughs> me up in a long plane to where you get the flatbed. You know, mm-hmm. have you had that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you got the flatbed. So I, I we're, we're, we're going to go take off. And I'm sitting there, and then I, you know, I'm just like, and then I'm sitting there, I'm going, dude, we've been sitting here for like 35 minutes. Like, why aren't we taking off? But then I like thought for a second, and I looked around, and then I looked out the window, and I realized that at some point between sitting down and having that thought, I had fallen asleep for 45 minutes. I literally just sat down, and my body shut off. And I thought I blinked my eyes, but I just, my body shut down for 45 minutes. We were in the air. Wow. That's a, I mean, that is a testament to all the stuff that you're doing. I mean, this, because it's, I will say too, it's not even just being awake. I mean, you're running around these areas. Uh, you were in Kenosha. Uh, you were there for a lot of the crazy stuff that was going on. You, you were just talking though, before we went on and you, and you were, you're communicating with a reporter who's trying to get you know information on one of your videos. Is this happening a lot? Are reporters reaching out and saying, "Hey, Elijah, I got you know I need proof that this is legitimate." Are they even? Are there inquiries coming in at least? I would say there's too many. Like I mean, I, we have from France, Croatia, Japan, Canada, ABC. I mean, I worked with the New York Times extensively to build their timeline for their report. I read that today. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been, I've worked with a lot of. Uh, a lot of journals, you know, and I know Fox, a lot of people are reaching out. It's kind of interesting that a Blaze reporter and entertainer is doing the news for the news. Yeah. It's we're, a, we're doing it. I mean, this is us. It's, right, we're doing like, it. I, like, don't want to, we don't want to put the Blaze down. You're doing great work. But it's like, shouldn't they have, like, a war reporter there or something? We're news and entertainment. So what I mean is, is like, even, even, when, even when I'm capturing the news, like, I, 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 I report without, without opinion. Mm-hmm. And then I have an opinion show. At least I'm honest about it. At yeah. least I don't say my show's a news show. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's my opinion based off of what I saw. Mm-hmm. That's like your show, right? It's an opinion. It's opinion-based show. But it's like, but it doesn't negate what's really going on. And it makes me wonder too. Yeah, like, where are the wartime reporters? Like, where where are they out in these places? They're de- they're not there. They're not. They're using our videos. So there was no one. There was no mainstream reporter you saw there. Okay. Well, like, I, yeah, I can't. 
I can't make the claim. I don't. I don't you know. Don't I mean, who knows if they did the same thing I did, were undercover or whatever. Sure, sure. But I can tell you that according to their videos, that's anywhere. my point. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen their videos. I haven't seen their stories, and it makes me wonder, Stu, <laughs> with you and I drinking at what time is it? Like sometime in the afternoon. Um, they got to be lazier than me. Maybe they're drinking earlier because uh, they're not doing their job. I would agree with you. So. Although I will say I'm impressed to hear that at least the Times reached out about this timeline. I read that timeline today. I was shocked, too. And, and I will say it was largely fair. Um, they they did, uh, I think, I, I don't think you can read the timeline. We're talking about the uh, Rittenhouse uh, shooting. Um, I don't think you can read their timeline and come up with any other conclusion other than in those moments he was justified to act the way that he did. The only thing I really quibbled with on the entire thing was they said he tripped and fell towards the end when he was blatantly hit with something it looked like or at least tripped up by someone else. It wasn't him just tripping uh, before the, the last couple of shootings. Uh, what was your experience with the Times and, 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 and did they tell the story the correct way? Yeah, you know, um, to be fair, I haven't read the, the, the article okay. or I haven't read it, but I know I worked with them extensively mm -hmm. um, and and I have to give them credit for reaching out. And I, and I, before I bash them, you know, I even told them I was surprised that the New York Times is doing journalism. I was like, I'm really, I'm like pretty shocked at that, you know. I'm sure they appreciated that. Yeah, you know, but they laughed, you know, like it's a, it's a funny thing. But, but the most important part about about this timeline is, I'm wondering if the reason why it was fair is because of the reporters they had to work with were us independent. You yeah. know, citizen journalists, whatever people call them. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not a citizen journalist anymore. I mean, I work for a network, but still, mm -hmm. I think because we're the ones reporting and we didn't spin it, it's like it has to be fair. And it makes you wonder how much different the national discourse would be if the primary reporters that were given precedence um, were the people who actually witnessed the events. And I bring this up because, you know, a lot of America gets their news uh, from hearsay, just what they hear someone say. But where does it originate? Mostly, I would say, from Twitter. Honestly, Twitter's like the number one news curator, more than networks. If you even look at total views, and con sure. you know, even if it's networks on social the, on the yeah. And, and Facebook, but I mean, right. social media. But, no, but Twitter, I'd say, I'd say yeah. even it, it generates from Twitter yeah. to, to Facebook, to Instagram. Yep. Um, we were on the ground, there was a lot of us, and what does Twitter do to talk about the shootings? The only articles they post are from Reuters, Washington Post, and the New York Times originally, before they had even called us in the morning. So they, they only gave major corporate outlets that didn't, weren't there the ability to tell the story. And that shows you how sharp and how quickly they work to try to shape a narrative to like, you know, cause they wanted him to seem like a white supremacist. Yep. They wanted this to seem like he was attacking people of color, that this was an extremist yeah. right wing uh, shooting. But it turns out according to unsealed court records from a traffic violation, if it's the same guy, which it says he's 17 and it's from the same county and it says right. that everything and it's exact spelling of name and et cetera, that he's Hispanic. And if it's not the same guy, well, then that's crazy. There's two Kyle whatever's, the, whatever these people are in the right. same place that are white and Hispanic. But either way, I mean, this is just ridiculous that the narrative fell apart so quickly. That's because because we were there. Imagine if we weren't there. If you weren't there, this would be a white supremacist who was shooting at black people. I mean, yeah. I mean this is the worst white supremacist of all time. I mean, let's be honest about it. He's a, a, a Hispanic guy trying to help uh, black, at least at several times he's trying to help Black Lives Matter protesters. He shoots white people. At least they looked like they were white people. Yeah, I think I think because it was like Rosam. Like, I, okay, I'm. I just woke up like two hours ago. No, that's I, okay. I appreciate. I was like, I yeah, I'm like pretty pretty dead in the mind. But I'm not gonna try to say their names. But I think only one of them seemed like maybe he wasn't white but these oh, other I know people that we were attacking him i mean that that's yeah. true in those cases right i mean I'm, i try to break this down and look to me as if in all of these circumstances and the times pointed this out uh, and you may have been part of this where the first shooting 
he someone else fires a gun first, which you, they show the muzzle uh, going off in one of the stills. And at that point, he turns around and there's someone right behind him. And that's when that first shooting happens. He's being approached. He's being pursued and attacked while other gunshots are going off. Uh, it seems at the very least he was scared uh, and certainly wasn't attacking someone uh, for no reason. And no. the other ones, he's blatantly being attacked with a skateboard to the head while he's on the ground. Yeah, I think. OK, so the only I think the only the only area that that, to be fair, where someone could get get him on, I think, in the uh, when when he's in the trial, they're going to get him on these two places. Number one, he's operating a firearm open carry illegally because he's 17. You can't until you're 18 in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't believe Wisconsin is a standard ground state, meaning I don't think he had the right to like be on somebody else's property to defend it. Like I mean, legally speaking, I don't think that you have the right to to defend someone else's property. Some of the times our viewers are way smarter than us. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, and they oh. correct you and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'd say almost 99% of the time. <laughs> sure. There's always that one moron, but most of yeah. them are, are, are really, really smart. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I might be wrong on this, but but most importantly speaking is, besides the fact that he had that, it didn't look like he carried the firearm from his own testimony for the offensive. It was simply because he saw that it was a dangerous place, which I think when you take those parts out and you look at each of the shootings individually, those shootings themselves appear to be justified. And I, I'm, not, I'm not the yeah. jury. I'm not the jury. I'm not the no, judge. Of course. And if I'm wrong and things come out that I don't know, okay, fine, I'll, I'll accept it. But it seems like this, and I want to encourage people, I'm not an activist, um, but if you believe he's in the right, he seems to not have a lot of money because he has a public defender. And so, you know, somebody needs to start a, a GoFundMe or something, hopefully to get this guy the proper defense because they're going to throw the book at this guy. Yeah. I mean, they're going to they're gonna try to make him, they're going to try to prosecute him into something that I don't think he deserves. Yeah, and it seems uh, right off the bat that the, what they charged him with, which was intentional homicide, seems completely ridiculous. That doesn't mean that he's, he's in the right completely, as you point out, the open carry situation, um, the stand your ground situation. He may be, you know, he may have problems here. Uh, and this goes to something that I'm a little bit conflicted on in that, like, I watch these videos. I watch the ones you did in Dallas when you were down there. Um, we've watched them from around the country. And occasionally there are people who I think with really good intentions who go down to these places and they stand out in front. They're kind of being, you know, like the rooftop Koreans, right? Like they're standing. These in guys were on rooftops, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. We're on the rooftops of businesses, oh. throwing CS gas, pointing guns at people saying back the. Up. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, and so there's there's something I really like about that. I, I mean, I love that story of the rooftop Koreans. And, and and you when you watch this, and I love the idea that people are saying, you know what, these guys are not going to the police. They're not allowing allowing them to even come into these areas. A lot of times, we need someone to protect this property. We can't just let the entire city get burned down. And I like that instinct. On the other hand, like especially with a 17 year old, I don't want uh, my 17 year old. If I if you know, and whenever what God that is, eight years from now. If, if I, I, it would drive me crazy to think that he might go down and try to do something like this. What do you, how do you judge the people who are going down with good intentions, but maybe, you know, are they getting in the middle of this and increasing the possibility for bad outcomes like this? You know, because this isn't my show, um, I'll, I'll make your show open to attack by saying this. Um, <laughs> like, you. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, ruin, I'll ruin your credibility. Um, <laughs> is that this is a totally my opinion, reporter aside, yeah. just me as a human being, as an American citizen looking at this. Um, I am really happy to see young men in this country standing up for what's right and being in front of these buildings. These were all young men, mm. early 20s, late teens. Um, that's who was out there defending yep. the buildings. And that shows you something about the young men. And, and, and also, it shows you something, the fact that we're, while I'm not saying that, you know, this, this whole comparison between property and human life, this is not what the argument I'm making, so 
I hope no one takes me out of context. Sure. But you know what? It's about time that we show people you can't just burn down our cities no. and break our stuff. Like, right. like, I mean, I'm not happy people died. So that's where I'm trying to make the point. I'm not happy. I, I wish none of this would have happened in the first place. But I hope this sends a message to criminals who, by the way, these these people who were shot and killed had extensive criminal backgrounds. Mm-hmm. One was a child sex offender. The other one was a, a, um, a domestic abuser. And the other one had criminal weapons charges. These were not great people. Does it justify should they have died because they're criminals? No, no, I would never make that point. Of course not. But what I'm saying is these are bad hombres out there that are looking to commit crimes. They have a history of crime and they're out there and they think that they can just, they can just get away with it. Yeah. And, and, and it makes me not happy they died or happy this young guy has to go through this, but I, I'm happy now that we have a message. This is why I'm trying to say this carefully, that people realize, look, You've been playing games for too long. Eventually, you've got to cut this SHIT out because people are going to fight back. And if you continue this, Americans are really at a breaking point where it's like, you know, it's at a certain point where it's just if they hit the wrong city and the wrong community, there will be many more Kyle situations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh. and I hope they learn now before it happens in a mass in a mass casualty. And we're, we're already running late, but it strikes me as this thing where what they want to say is, well, this wouldn't have happened if Kyle Rittenhouse didn't show up. Well, you know what? It also wouldn't have happened if you weren't out there burning down buildings. And, you know, I always feel like the easiest delineation here is that there is a curfew, right? Peaceful protesters can peacefully protest all they want. And then there's a curfew. And everyone who's out there past that curfew criminal. Is, is criminal, is, is doing something against the, the law. And, and that is, or at least against the rules of that very moment. And... If, if, if we could get to a point where we could all agree, hey, there are a lot of people who are out there. I might disagree with them, but they're protesting and that's totally fine. You're, you're going to get all of these elements coming together and creating all sorts of chaos if we are not careful here. We are. Uh, this is this feels more out of control than I can ever remember it. Yeah, it is. And I, and I want to end with end with this statement. So yeah. you, I know you say we're going over mm-hmm. is that the fact that we are so shocked that somebody finally had a consequence yeah. for destroying property. I'm shocked that there hasn't been many more of these killings. I mean, I'm really shocked that more business owners haven't shot people. And I know people say, well, that's because a life isn't worth property. I happen to kind of hold a different standard. I think that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it used to be one time the right to own property. Sure. I think that property ownership, if you come in and you're going to felony destroy my livelihood and my life, that if I have to shoot you in order to protect my whole life from falling apart because you're criminally trying to do this in a way that if you're starting a fire and stuff and you're hitting hammers, you could hit someone, you could hurt someone. I'm preventing this. Hopefully shooting not to kill, shooting in defense to, to, to take of down. Course, yeah. but I, I think some of the laws in this country have got to change. I'll take that stance and saying some of these states, you cannot just come burn down my, my place. No. I don't know about you, no, you're right. but you're I will totally shoot right you. If you try to light my, my, my yeah. business on fire, I will shoot you. Yeah, and the question is whether coming in from an outside scenario to enforce that is right. And I'm torn on it a little bit. I, I, I'm not torn on a 17-year-old because I have kids too close to 17 and I want to be able to deny this if they ever want to do it. Uh, but I, 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 I like the spirit. There's something about the spirit of defending the American way of life that's really important. Um, Elijah Schaefer, um, dude, I'm glad you're here, man. I'm glad you brought the beer. I'm glad yeah, there is a one more there yes, go, COVID bottom. There. There's an alive, you know, Elijah's alive. Be freaking careful out there, though. Seriously, man, watching that stuff is this is terrifying. My wife was watching some of these videos and she's like, 
He's going to get himself killed. I'm, I'm getting thousands. There's a new armor company that is going to be donating thousands of dollars of equipment. Really good spot. Imagine that. How good is that? Mm. Now all I got to like this is a new thing. Now now they're sponsoring reporting. But meaning, what? I, I can't say the company yet. But what a smart move for an armor Very company yes, to I literally think, yeah. get in multi on a regular basis, multi-million view things, and always being like, who's buying? Who's the armor? It's this company. So Very I mean, smart. Yeah, right. smart people. You'll be hearing more about them as well. Slightly offensive. It's right here on Blaze TV. Uh, uh, it, look, we say this all the time. The media sucks, but that's only one part of this. Like, we need someone to be actually be covering these things. This truth would not be told without people like Elijah, who is in the middle of this stuff all the time. In all, in all legit, I mean, in all seriousness, go to his YouTube page, subscribe, support this sort of journalism. We really need it. You can go to blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. It'll save you 10 bucks, and we appreciate that as well. But this is stuff that has to happen because you will not know the truth unless people like Elijah are crazy enough to go into these situations. Thanks, dude. Seriously, for doing this. Thank you, sir, for having me on. All right. Back in a second. If you want to say something publicly, but you want to make sure that uh, no one else hears it, the last thing you do is, you know, come out and blurt it out in a press conference, right? You maybe say it on the side to a reporter. You might leak something. Nancy Pelosi did this approach. Don't tell anyone I told you this in a press conference, but uh, especially Mr. Biden. But I don't think there should be any debates. I mean, could they be any more obvious what they're trying to freaking run up the flagpole here? Uh, they don't want to have debates because they know Joe Biden is it's a really risky proposition for them. Biden has come out now. He says he will have the debates. And this is an interesting struggle inside the campaign. The, the campaign workers, the aides, the strategists correctly recognize that they should not put Joe Biden in front of the camera at any time from now until November. They should make sure that people try to forget that he's even the candidate. But Joe Biden has a bit of pride. He's been doing this for 47 years. He's been out in the public. He thinks he can still pull this stuff off. And he's pissed off that people keep suggesting that he's so incompetent and incoherent that he can't do this anymore. Well, we're going to have a chance. We're going to have three chances to see what is true and what is not. There's three debates scheduled. We're getting closer and closer to them. We'll give you more updates as they come. Back in a second. Joined by Jason Buttrell. He's the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. Of course, if you missed the special this week, it's called Brainwashed. Uh, it happened on what Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, Glenn was on the show. I, he looks like he's like distraught over learning about this stuff. Because like, you guys, this wasn't the initial plan going into the show, was it? No. And in, in fact, Glenn wanted me to look into teachers unions and like all the things they're doing now, you know, like with the die-ins and yeah. a bunch of stuff. And we wanted to figure out what they were like, all their tentacles lately and keeping mm. kids out of schools. Let's focused on that. Then we got these, these leaked documents. It's, it's over 800 uh, documents, not pages, documents. So there's maybe, there's thousands of pages mm-hmm. in this. First off, I don't know how you even get the money to fund something like that to begin with. I mean, I can't I can't imagine. Yeah, like, It's a big plan. You're not just writing that up over a weekend. Yeah, I mean, and I, I trace this back to probably about two years from when they first started implementing this. And Stu, it scared the crap out of me. I mean, we made this the focus of that show the other night, 
And I tell you what, I, I've been telling everybody on, on, on Twitter, immediately bring your kids, like this is such an opportune time to bring them in since they're all doing virtual learning. Sit them right next to you. My son is in high school. He was so pissed off. Yeah. He's like, sit, his little desk, his little card table's right next to my desk in my home office, and I'm listening to everything while I'm doing my daily work. I, I tell you what, you don't know if this is in your curriculum or not. Sometimes they're not even going through the school board. So they're, they're hitting up a lot of teachers that go to uh, conferences and they're handing off these little zip drives and saying, look, this is how you turn these, you know, subject, this subject matter that's not meant for kids. Yeah. This is how you dumb it down for the kids. If you have to dumb something down or make it, you know, less scary, you probably shouldn't be teaching it to preschoolers to begin with. Uh, for some of the people who didn't see the special, can you whet their appetite a little bit? Like, what are some of the stuff you found? Yeah, so... Basically what it is, it's a giant brainwashing uh, scheme is what it is. They've taken these things that like, like Marxism, communism, uh, radical uh, sexuality, trans uh, activism, stuff like that. And they've put it into language that's tiered all the way from preschool all the way up to 12th grade. So for a preschool, they, they change like, okay, so if they want to talk about Marxism, mm-hmm. they'll just, again, they don't really call it Marxism, but they'll come really close to like the, the like juniors and se- seniors in high school. Yeah. But for preschoolers, they say uh, like they, they change the words to like collective, uh, what they call it, like collective collective it wasn't collective ownership it was something like that but it sounded a whole lot less scary right. and they basically say we care about everyone everyone cares about you type thing yeah but then if you go and look at there's actually like a dialectic key in the uh, in the curriculum i'm serious it's like they're like okay we're saying this but this is what it means collective ownership uh, you know giving you know taking uh, the money that the, the 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 rich people have been oppressing poor people and giving it back to the poor people i'm dead serious it's what it says it, but this is how you hide it and tell it to these little kids this is bizarre I, you know and, and it's such a strange uh, development in that like I, I mean i went to public school uh, you know i mean i don't remember anything like this you know i mean i don't remember honestly ever thinking like oh this is uh, liberal i mean i was a political guy anyway yeah but like I, I don't remember anything like that and i don't remember now even in retrospect thinking back and thinking oh wow they were telling us stuff we shouldn't have known i mean it was just normal school stuff yeah I, I, i'm wondering now because maybe i didn't even notice yeah. because the way it's designed here is that you don't even notice so it's introduced to you with softer language when you're preschool kindergarten by third grade and I'm, this is an actual timeline in the curriculum by third grade they're actually teaching them how to okay now that you have this information that now here's how you take the information and hit the streets they tell them how to make protest signs how to stage uh marches things like that by the time they're in uh like junior junior and senior in high school they're saying okay now let's take a look at some of these groups that have done it in the past let's just call it let's let's look at the black panthers straight up they actually say look at the black panthers they show them the ideology behind it they ask the questions now do you have a different you know, uh, you know, opinion on what maybe some things you might have heard about what the Black Panthers believed in. They're talking about communism. And they also say, uh, you know, the Black Panthers said that they, uh, the, if these certain things happened, it would justify violence. Tell us some of these. Uh, now, write us a thing and say, have you experienced these things that might justify violence? Uh, this is, they indoctrinate them when they're young. They teach them how to, uh, or, to do, uh, community organize when they're in third grade. Then they teach you to get violent when you're in high school. And this isn't you reading into this. This is their explicit goal. They're, th- right there. This is how they've designed it, and they've explained this is how they're designing it. Right there. Uh, it, it, what's, uh, what's fascinating is I remember back in, in uh, high school and stuff, there would be these walkouts. We'd have these... <laughs> 
our school would have these walkouts for causes. And none of us, and you know Dan Andrews, who comes on this show sometimes too, <laughs> but we were in high school together. We never knew what the, the topic was. We just None of them do. We just knew we were walking out of school. <laughs> yeah. So we all walked out and protested. I have no idea what we were doing. <laughs> uh, we probably were pro- protesting, you know, for Karl Marx. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but it, it's like there is this thing in our society where we've, because there have been really important protest movements. The country was started on one, right? I mean, like, the, that is the revolution. Uh, you, the great American revolution was a protest movement at its heart, right? And so we, ha- as a society, praise that. Mentally, we think this is a good thing. It's good for people to get involved in civics. It's good for people to go out and vote. It's good for people to go out and protest. When kids have this idea and they're like, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, wash cars to raise money for X charity— we do all those things and we praise them and there's a lot to praise there. And I understand why it happens. But I think we're stealing kids childhood in a lot yeah. of ways. You know, I remember back when, you know, when I was in high school and stuff, they were doing the like rock the vote campaign. Mm. Um, maybe I was a little out of high school at that point, but uh, rock the vote. And it's like, well, you know what? Rock the vote after you think about these things for a little bit. Maybe you should read a little before you rock a vote. You know, because that's the problem. We are encouraging people to protest as if protesting is good on its face. Protesting is not good or bad. You know, a lot of KKK people watch through walk through towns in protest. Protest can be very bad. It can be very good. We can't just keep, keep praising these actions. And I think kids just get excited on the idea, the, 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 the momentum, uh, the emotion of a protest. And they start protesting for whatever's in front of them. And these guys are putting stuff in front of them. Yeah, kids don't, kids aren't even, when we were in school, we didn't care about anything enough to protest over. Maybe if it was meatloaf meatloaf night, you grab your brother and sister and protest, you know. Mm -hmm. That was the extent of it. Um, But then there's nothing wrong with protest. There's nothing wrong with protest. There's nothing wrong with. There can be, though. There there can can be something wrong with protests. There can be, especially if, like, this right here, they're not teaching them how to think and then how to stand up for their beliefs. They're teaching them what to believe. They're indoctrinating them into what to believe Mm -hmm. from a very early age. And then they're going from there and, uh, you know, saying this is what you should believe in. This is uh, this is how you uh, this is how you fight it. And this, if if all else fails, this is how you turn violent. I mean, I, I, I can't. We were always taught in school violence never solves anything. Yeah. Now they're actually teach thing, teaching them, well, you know, okay, by any means necessary. Right. And we're seeing this all in these cities all across the country, right? Yeah, how many times have we said, look, look at these kids out protesting? I cannot believe they're out. Who, what were their parents doing? Well, how would they? It's, I don't even think it's the parents. They're being taught this in schools. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> look at this guy who was charged with murder in, uh, in Kenosha this yeah. week. 17 years old. Mm. What on freaking earth yeah. is a 17-year-old doing? going out there in the middle of the night, far from home, protesting? Def- he, he said he was one of the people who was defending the protesters. God only knows what the truth is here. But with a, with a weapon, and he winds up shooting a bunch of people. And, and, and I, Like, this shouldn't even be in the head of a 17-year-old. He should be thinking about the girl in school that he wants to date. Yep. Or boy. I don't want to judge. Um, let me go to the protests here for a second, because this is, I think, it's connected. Protests are good. Protesting, in theory. Protesting someone who was shot in, a, in a, an incorrect way, right? Uh, if the police did something wrong, of course. But the problem is these, these protests are based on lies. 
Yeah. The, the, the lie that police are shooting black people over the place. I mean, the NBA games get, uh, you know, get boycotted. You know, stupid LeBron James is out there. You know, F this. We need change. I'm not going to play basketball. Like, uh, OK. Thank you. you. I, first of all, number one, <laughs> I've, I've watched you on defense. You're not playing all the time anyway. Uh, number two, if LeBron James leaves the NBA, he will have luckily no impact whatsoever. So we'll never have to hear from him again, which would be amazing. Glorious in my mind. <laughs> um, but like it, these guys are all out there almost unanimously in the NBA saying that like, oh, my God, we need change. And all these things are, are terrible. And they're happening all this often genocide of black people by police officers. None of them seem to have looked at any FBI statistics to back up these views. This is just blatant nonsense and we all have to sit back and say oh well yes let's put black lives matter on the court because that's going to make some sort of difference this is craziness it's crazy and the same way the schools are, are indoctrinating their kids these athletes and celebrities are doing the same thing Oh yeah, I, I, but I, I have hope because I, I've, I've seen. How dare you? Come on! I, I know, right? Hope. Not on this show. Wow. <laughs> Who scheduled this interview? <laughs> I no, I do. I. It seems like for the first time that I can remember in a long time that you're having people that used to be Democrats, with, regardless of what race they are, and they're actually coming out and saying, like, maybe everything that we've been fed to over, you know, the past what, ever since the 1950s, 60s, maybe all that was just a lie. Maybe that they've just the the left has been using this. You know, we want to you know give away a bunch of money mm-hmm. and then keep people in poverty. Maybe they're the racist ones. You know, maybe the you know they can, maybe we're not going to let the left call the right racist just because they want to do it a different way because they want to empower people to build themselves up and never have to go back on poverty again. Maybe that's the least racist thing. I mean, it's just a, it's the biggest mind screw, mind flip that the left was able to do that. Yeah. But, but it worked. It was it, it was amazingly effective because they've been using that narrative ever since LBJ and it's worked for them. But I think that I think that that is starting to have its limits. I hope so. It seems like it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that the left is really scared right now that they're going to. Oh, they're not know, acting again, like they're not going to lose the black vote. But if they lose 20 percent of the black vote, they're dead. I mean, I, they have no chance of winning the election. So it's that it's, it's a big deal if if the if the black vote were to change a little bit. And we're seeing some, I think, action on that. I just how it, it doesn't make any sense to me how you can look at this stuff and say that, you know, the side that has, you know, run these cities for 50 years, that has kept the, the people who live there in poverty for 50 years, these people are the, the, the side that's on the side of the African-American vote. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I mean, you know, Trump has said this and he gets beat up by it when he says it. Like, you know, why don't you try something else? You've been trying this for half a century. Try something else. It's a good point. Yeah. Like this, obviously, what the left is giving to minority communities, all over the country is failure. Yeah. Their policies have led to a, a very long period of failure. Um, and, you know, look at capitalism has, has, has pulled many, many people out of poverty, but the left continues to try to keep people in poverty. Yeah, what pisses me off is the GOP, for the longest time, has not had anybody that could effectively articulate these things. Mm. I mean, they've had nobody with, like, you know, the skills of, like, say, a Ronald Reagan that actually knew this by heart and believed it. Yeah. I don't know if any of them actually believe conservatism anymore by heart. Um, but if they actually did, maybe they could start turning the tides. Kim Klasik, uh, from in Baltimore, she's got the right message. 
Um, we need more people like her, young conservatives that can actually articulate that message. That, I mean, really, if they took that all over the country and they started using that, yeah. oh my gosh. That's, that was a, re- a, really, a really good message. By the way, she was fact-checked by Snopes, and they said uh, uh, she, she, uh, she actually didn't walk through the entire city of Baltimore, so oh, uh, she was lying. Canceled. Canceled. <laughs> Jason Butcherill. That's a real story, by the way. Jason Butcherill, uh, head research, uh, researcher and writer for Glenn Beck. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the program. Don't miss any of Jason's, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> every single day uh, with your subscription to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Jason on uh, Twitter, is that where people should follow you? At Jason Butchell. Yeah, do that. See you in a second. We take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Enemies of the state. The Stew Does America, Nancy Pelosi Sucks commemorative pen is back in stock. Proudly display your disappointment in the Speaker of the House and order yours today at nancypelosisuckspen.com.